you Yeah, yo There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here by that I'm behind you But always got you, end the discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a part take Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, hopping down, cause feeling's not an option and dad is not a noun, not at all. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Ishmael from Dad Is Not A Noun. Hope everyone's doing all well. I hope everyone's good. I have a special guest with me. This is a dope brother. He is a devoted husband, devoted father, just straight bars for days. I call him Louisiana's best kept unsecret. I have the one and only, only Marcel P. Black. What's going on, brother? Cooler, cooler, man. It's, uh, man, it's, it's a pleasure to be here, bro. You know what I'm saying? I had a I had a show with a set time of 11 p.m. last night. You know what I'm saying? That's way too old. That's way, that's way too late for my old bones, man. So, you know, I was a little bit slow with getting up this morning, but every, everything is well. And, man, I'm just really happy to be here with you, brother. And I'm happy you're on with me. Um, give a little bit a little bit of background about you to the people that may not know you. Okay, cool, 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 man. So, originally, I'm from a small town in southern Oklahoma called Ardmore. Um, I graduated high school. I went to college in Louisiana, lived there for 19 years. Uh, literally less than probably about three weeks ago, I moved back to Oklahoma, but I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm forever going to be a Louisiana hip hop artist. You know what I'm saying? That, that's where the artist known as Marcel P. Black was born. But, you know, now I'm up here in Little Africa, you know what I'm saying? Tulsa, you know, doing some um, hip hop education and things of that nature. Um, I've been, I've done everything, you know, uh, for, for the most part, in my adult life, I've been a youth development worker, working with young people. Started off doing summer camps and after school programs, and then got into some management, managing, overseeing hip hop education program, hip hop educational programs within nonprofits. Then I kind of stepped away from that. I did a little mental health counseling. Um, I taught chess, uh, you know, substitute teaching. Um, during the pandemic, I worked for a nonprofit. Um, in partnership with a public school in Baton Rouge, and I created um, a hip hop and social justice curriculum called Free Hip Hop, and I also created a hip hop and mental health curriculum called Soul Cipher or whatever, doing different type of community circles, bridging the gap between you know mental health to hip hop and young people, and uh, you know just you know just as a as an artist man, uh, a career conscious MC, um, about to put out my seventeenth, I think it's either seventeenth, eighteenth project sometime at the end of the summer um been blessed to perform in 33 different states um over the last well before the pandemic of course over the last like two or three years you know what i'm saying uh just the old school now i haven't say old school but a true school hard-nosed underground independent mc uh a lot of people compare me to killer mike you know what i'm saying which is cool uh but yeah man just you know just working with the people and making music that articulates 
that particular grind. And you do that so well. And before we get into a deep conversation, I want to play one of my favorite tracks. It's called Principle and Standards because that kind of embodies everything that you talk about because the, the things that you do, the foundation comes from principle and standards. You know right. what I mean? And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to play this this banger for the people so people can get a, you know, get a taste of how dope you are. hands out my favorite track to real talk talk about principle with standards because i love it because you're like i don't care what brand you are it's all about your principle and standards because we live in this world where we're all about our brand and our brand isn't us we perceive that's what we are because we want to portray that on the screen so talk about that man so um this this time this time came at an interesting point in my life man so um 2017, um, you know, I challenged myself to perform in 15 different states, right? And sort of before that, I was just really performing in like uh kind of like, you know, I was living in Louisiana, so like kind of like the Gulf states, you know what I'm saying? Uh Texas, you know what I'm saying, Louisiana, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, whatever. Sometimes I would come up to Oklahoma, Tennessee, but for the most part, in those in that same region. And so I might have did, it's, I want to say 2016 when Crime Freedom dropped, I might have performed eight different states that year. And I told myself I wanted to double that. So I said I wanted to do 15 different states. And I, so I was blessed to do, it took me 11 months, I got my 15 states, I ended up doing 17 overall. But what happened was, once I started getting outside of the South, I really started like experiencing the culture differently, right? So, you know, the South is really, really segregated. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's black or white. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's pretty much black or white. So um, the further north and the further west and the further east I was going, the less and less um, the less and less black people I saw. But I saw more. Um, I saw more like uh, you know I, I had I had crowds of, that was like uh, like when I went to Minnesota, right? Like quick story. 
Like there was a eat so so the venue was by the Somalian projects in, in South Minneapolis. And so there's a lot of like uh East African, you know what I'm saying, people in that area. And so I'm rapping as a black American, you know what I'm saying, in front of East African people. And this 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 Ethiopian guy, he whatever he heard me say. He said, I see God in you. And he, he was a little drunk. He was a little drunk. And he came at my merch table and he kissed my feet. You know what wow. I'm saying? He kissed my feet, right? I had some Adidas. I still got the shoes. So that tells Adidas, right? Um, so I'm performing in different types of crowds, not just black and white. And I'm seeing how my music affected people differently, right? I I, I, did, I did this gig in Chicago and in Minneapolis, right? And so, I mean, and in St. Paul. And a lot of the crowd was like, uh, so where we was, the venue, uh, it was LGBTQ friendly. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, um, but so while while I'm doing this, I got this project called Seven. I mean, and the lead song off of Seven was Hallelujah, right. and the hook to Hallelujah is F. Donald Trump, right? And so, being around immigrants, being around uh, other minorities who might be oppressed by white supremacy, as opposed to just black people, but me saying F Donald Trump, it hit them completely differently, right? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in places where there's a lot of refugees and there's a lot of undocumented people. So it made it made me understand that it's a lot bigger than black and white, you know what I'm saying? And that my music has a, 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 a much more uh, broader purpose than just me talking about the plight of black America, which everything is based about the plight of being a black American. But it, lets me, it let me know um, how universal it was. It's, it also what happened was the music that I was performing going outside of the region. You know what I'm saying? It was slower. It was more. You know, cry freedom was slower or whatever. It was more southern. Right. But it made me fall back in love with hip hop because I, you know, I'm a backpacker at heart, right? You know, I'm a country dude. I'm a southerner, but I'm a backpacker at heart. You know what I'm saying? And I, I came in the game as a backpack rap, rapper, and you know, aesthetically, in terms of uh, my approach. It's always been underground hip hop, but I like to challenge myself and do different sounds. You know what I'm saying? And so I came in the game doing boom bad backpack, and um, I was making, I was working on in search of the Black Messiah, but I was, I was so inspired by my travels as a touring artist that I wanted to make music that sounded like what I heard when I'm in Chicago or when I'm in Oakland or when I'm in New York or when I'm in whatever. You know what I'm saying? And so I wanted, so it's me going back to that. And so long story short, I made a post saying I'm looking for this particular type of beats. And one of my guys from Dallas linked me up with another producer in Dallas who I hadn't spoken to in probably four or five years. And so I was like, you know what? Just do this dope. I hit him up. He said, bro, I've been waiting for you to hit me up. He sent me some beats. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he sent me some beats. And, you know, I, I, I picked, he sent me probably about, he only sent me six beats and I picked four of them. And, you know, so that particular song, Principles and Standards, that hook actually comes from uh, Most Def. Yep. Uh, 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 Most Def. And I don't think the song ever came out, but uh, it was on Chappelle's show. And there's a skit where it's, it's like a live performance where he's riding around with Dave Chappelle or whatever. <clears throat> and, and, he, uh, and, and, and he says that line or whatever. And, you know, what I take that back. He, he put that on the, uh, the New Danger, I think, or whatever. But, you know what I'm saying? But, he, you know, he says it a little different. I flipped it for my own thing. But all this to say, the reason why I, I call the principles of standards and, and I chose to go that route is because no matter what I do, 
be it me rapping in the deep south, the mostly black and white crowds. It don't matter if I'm rapping for a drunken Ethiopian kissing my feet, <clears throat> LGBT, LGBTQs in, in Minneapolis or St. Paul, or if I'm around undocumented undocumented uh, immigrants in Chicago, I maintain my principles and standards of who I am. You know what I'm saying? I, I maintain my principles and standards about what I stand for as a man. You know what I'm saying? And the principles and standards <clears throat> that I stand for as an artist, as as an MC. You know what I'm saying? So like, it is funny because like this song, you know, I, I'm the leader of the Stop Rapping Over Vocals movement. And so this song, you know, you know, I say, uh, uh, don't confuse me with these local ads, rapping over vocal ads. And like, that became like that's it, it did. So I do I do a chant where I say like and let me hear you say real MCs and so I became known at, at the, because of this song. I became even though I'm a career conscious artist, career underground artist, the stop rapping on the vocals thing became just as much as part of my brand as anything else. And I hate to say brand because I say I'm not worried about brand, but like you know it's who I am, right? Like I don't. It's not like. I remember, uh, you know, they say selling out is if you don't drink liquor, but you but you promote beer. You know what I'm saying? That's what selling out your brand is, right? I'm a strong advocate for not rapping over vocals. And so, you know, it, it only makes sense for me to, like, kind of put it out there because everywhere I go, that's what people know me for, right? More right. than the F Donald Trump, more than the underground conscious stuff, they know that or whatever, right? So that song was really, it's, it's, it's you know, it got me back on the radio. It did really well. Um it, 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 you know, it made me go back into my catalog and be like, you know what, let me bring, since people want to hear boom, bad rap, because, you know, living in bad rules, somebody really want to hear underground boom, bad rap yeah. or whatever. But so I might not have used that production anymore for a long time, but the same, I never stopped talking about what I was talking about. And that's because I stay true to my principles and standards. And so that's the reason why on the second verse, I'm, I'm kind of like sticking my tongue out at you. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I put the substance over swag, the consciousness over cash. I never sold out. Y'all told me I couldn't do it, but I still did it. And now I'm here, you know what I'm saying, at the time, what, 15, 16 years later, at the top of my game. And the reason why I was able to do it, because I still talked to my principles and standards, even when everybody told me I got to leave, I can't do this here or whatever, you know? So that song was, like, super duper important to me. Like, I've released about three projects since then, but that's always going to stay on my set list. Because you know what it means, you know, just remember the circumstances in which it was created under man. So it was a that's what that's one of my all time favorites. And like I, I would say, that's like I got a lot of songs. I would say that's definitely in my top ten of all time. And it definitely is. And going back to principle and standards, I think we are a habit of our environment. You know, what I mean, it, it does take a village to raise a child. So like, talk about your, yourself growing up. You know, um, your, your parents siblings and things like that well i'm my only child i'm my only child you know what i'm saying so uh my, my, my father god bless his soul uh he was uh he was a uh juvenile probation officer for the, for the for the for the most of my life uh you know what i'm saying and he was like my, my dad was like you know he he worked for the state but he wasn't the state he was the guy who like he had like I ain't gonna say a pact, but like the leader, the leader of one of the the gangs at Arbor in my hometown. Like he, be, my dad ended up befriending him, and so anytime people, you know, 
his sons got in trouble, they would want him to come to my dad. Mm -hmm. Because my dad's whole my dad was trying to interrupt the system. Like these young people are adjudicated. My dad wasn't trying to lock you up and send you off to boys' homes, right? He 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 stayed on the young men that he worked with and young ladies. He stayed on the young men that worked with. He tried to advocate for them the best he possibly could to make sure they don't get long sentences or they get messed over. They don't get railroaded. You know what I'm saying? And so like, so like, so all my life growing up, I would see like some like straight up, straight up crips come speak to my pops. He dapping them down and speaking to them and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? And like, he got so much respect for them because they knew like, they didn't look at him like police. They looked at him as like a mentor of somebody positive to try to keep them out of trouble. And it helped me out a lot when I tried to be a knucklehead. It helped me out a lot. You know, I was in places doing stuff I wasn't supposed to be doing. They were like, you you little Malcolm? Man, you better get out of here. You know what I'm saying? You better get out of here. You know what I'm saying? So he, he was you know, he was a gospel musician. Um, he played probably about four or five different instruments. He he sang, he wrote recorded. His main instrument was a guitar or whatever. But uh, he wrote his own music and he, you know, he would it's similar to me, you know what I'm saying? He created his own music, he put his own music out, he released everything, he booked the shows. Like, so I grew up on the road. Like I would say, probably from maybe about five or six to probably maybe a teenager, at least once a month, if not every other week, we were going somewhere watching him going to sing, want him to go perform, and so like that's all I know. So like, it's weird for me being home during the pandemic for like over a year and a half because all my life I grew up going somewhere to do music. Like even in high school, I was in the band, so every week we going to go do music somewhere. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, so he was, he's a gospel musician, uh, real heavy in the church. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, I'm a church boy at heart. You know what I'm saying? Regardless, you know, spiritually, I've evolved into my own person. But I'll never front on that because I saw my parents. My mother was a social worker and really, really heavy. So I'm, I'm my only child. But we always drove minivans. That's why I got a minivan now. Because we, we raised, my, my parents raised everybody else's children. You know what I'm saying? People with kids always at our house. And so, like, you know, my, my, my parents were, were, they were a part of, they created their own village. Uh, and they were a part of several other families' villages as well. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, I'm my only child, but, like, God sisters and God brothers and, you know, my, my mama to this day, you know what I'm saying? Even as a widow, she's, she's still taking care of the people's children, you know what I'm saying? Because that's who she is, you know what I'm saying? So, um, just blessed, man. Just blessed. You know, I was blessed to have, like, and on, on top of like my parents, you know what I'm saying? I was partially raised, you know, by my grandparents. When I, well, you know, well, I'm not gonna say I was raised by them because there never was a point I didn't live with my parents, but I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. Right. And so I was, I was always blessed to see black men and black women love each other. Cause like both my, my parents came from big families. Like they had, my, my, my dad had four brothers, my, my mom had four sisters. So both of them came from big families. And you know what I'm saying? And so they had their own village. But I was the only child, but still, I come from two village-minded people. And so it was always there for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, I always had good examples of strong black men, strong fathers, you know what I'm saying, strong women. You know, even, you know, even, even, you know, my aunties and cousins who were single mothers, you know what I'm saying? They, 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 they tried their hardest to raise their children the best way they did. They succeeded. You know what I'm saying? So just, you know, just, you know, and you know, and even even with that, you know. The streets is the streets, and you do stupid stuff. But principles and standards, man. You know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, I never wanted to embarrass my father too much, so you know I, I didn't really 
you know, I I I knew I knew right. Even even when if I made some mistakes, I knew right. But I was, you know, they say train up a child. You know what I'm saying? And so I always knew how to get back home at the end of the day. And uh, so that I mean that they had a deep influence on me as it pertains to like like I said artistically, like why like just growing up and watching my my, my dad here make some music in our you know in, in our in our den and he go performing for people and I would watch the way people reacted. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's something I always wanted to do. Or I saw where, um, you know, I saw where, but in my mom as well, I saw how positive they were on the lives of young people. So that's something I always wanted to do. And I you know, I ran from it for a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But I ran straight into it. You know what I'm saying? So it's, uh, my, 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 my village was dope, man. You know, I grew up in a small town, a lot of drugs, a lot of gang violence, not a lot of opportunities. But uh, their, 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 their example, the examples they set for me, the prayers and the well wishes, you know what I'm saying, it, it really kept me straight. And, uh, you know, it's a huge reason why we're here today. That's dope. And then also, were they shrunk with you as parents? Because I think it's important because, again, going back to principles and standards, is that I think of, like, when you're on the bike as a kid, right, and when you hit turn that corner on the block, it's not much your parents can do, you know, you know, they can't be there. You know what I'm saying? Right. So they got to have that faith in you that you have those principles and standards that you'll make that right decision. So can you talk about where they struck strict with you growing up or did they, they trust you enough to let you do your, your own thing, realize you'll, you'll figure it out. They knew I was smart. Like my parents, they taught me very, very young. As long as you know how to articulate yourself, and act, you know what I'm saying, you can pretty much figure anything out, and, and, and you can get yourself out of anything. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, I remember uh, being in fourth grade, and I had a teacher named Miss Lovelace. I don't even know Miss Lovelace is alive or not, but she was really mean. And one day, I can't remember why, but she told me to shut up. My mama didn't tell me to shut up, and so I wrote her a long, like like a two or three page letter. While I was like nine or ten years old, I wasn't disrespectful. I wasn't rude, but I told her why well, I did not like being told to shut up, and that she please not tell me to shut up anymore. Right? And I gave her the letter. And so next thing I know, I get a parent teacher conference. No, I, my, my mom gets called for a parent teacher conference up to the school, and the teacher was apologizing to me. Wow. She's like, you know what? I did tell Brian to shut up. And I shouldn't have, and but I'm really, really impressed about how well he wrote this letter. He wasn't rude. He wasn't disrespectful. You know what I'm saying? And I'll never do it again. She was like, I want to apologize to you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. And so, but my parents always taught me, if you know how to articulate yourself, and it's, especially when you're talking to adults and you're respectful and, 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 and you've really thought about what you have to say, then that's, that, that's cool. So, my, so I was able to like, if my parents told me something, I could ask questions about why. And my parents understood that I needed to know the why. Because telling me to do something and I don't understand why I shouldn't do it, I'm going to still do it. Right. But they took time to explain things to me. You shouldn't do this because if you do this, this is what can happen. And if it happens, I want you to know what's going on. I want you to know how to figure it out. Right. And so, you know, definitely a Christian household. My uh my, my my dad was a little bit more easy going than my mom was. And my mama thumped me with that Bible in a second, you know what I mean? Which was good. I hated it at the time, 
But now I hear my I hear myself telling my kids the exact same thing, which which is how it goes. You know what I'm saying? Like I I hear things. I hear my dad's voice come out of me all the time, and I hear stuff that my mom used to say to me all the time. You know what I'm saying? When I'm saying it to my children. But um, so I wouldn't necessarily say it was strict, but I definitely was raised right. And I if I if I can honestly say every mistake I made it wasn't it wasn't out of ignorance. It was because you know it, 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 and you know that's what boys do, right? You know that's what kids do. You, you, yep. you know, I was a big kid. You know, by the time I was 14 years old, I was about six foot, 215 pounds. So you start smelling yourself a little bit. You start, you start riding the bike. You start hitting that corner. You know what I'm saying? But I always knew better. And like I said, and regardless, I knew I was loved unconditionally. I never had to go without anything. My parents, neither, neither one of my parents, like I didn't, and I didn't realize until I was an adult. Um, neither one of my parents. Uh, when I was before they retired, neither one of them made sixty thousand dollars combined a year, my whole life. But everything was provided for me. You know what I'm saying? Tennis shoes, video games, trips to Disneyland. Uh, you know, I never wanted for nothing. You know, luckily we lived in a neighborhood in town we had really, really low cost of living. But everything was provided for me. I didn't know until I started mismanaging my own money as an adult. I never knew what it like was to be cut off. I never knew what it was to be hungry. I never knew what it was to be without electricity. You know what I'm saying? So, um, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily say strict, but there were definitely expectations for me to meet. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I try to do the same thing with my children. Like I, I have candid conversations with my children. If daddy mess up, tell daddy how you feel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I might yell at first now, but if you want to come back and talk to daddy about it later, and be like, daddy, when you did this, I didn't like that. Okay, well, why didn't you like it? Tell me what I can do to be a better father, what I can be a better dad. You know what I'm saying? And I and, and so I, I and that was modeled to me by my parents, and I, I'm really grateful for that. And that's dope, man. And before we move on, the teacher was she this or was she this? <laughs> oh, she's definitely white. She's definitely white. 100%. 100%. 100%. Bro, until I went to college, and that's 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 a major reason why I went to HBCU. Bro, I don't think I didn't have any black teachers in elementary school. I was in sixth grade. I might have had two black teachers. Uh, middle school, I might have had. Let me see. Maybe two black teachers. High school, I had one, and he was a coach. And I and, and I, I did not get along with him. Uh, and, and and I had a there was a teacher's assistant. Uh, she was doing a student teaching, and we did not get along. It, it got to the point. Ishmael to where my senior high school, you know, I was I ain't gonna lie, I was I was I was a smart ass. I'm not gonna lie to you. Right. I was a smart ass by this time. But um she told me, she was like, Williams, you don't like me, I don't like you. You think you know everything. Let's make a deal. If you come to class and be quiet every day, I'll pass you with an A. <laughs> right? And so yeah, so like, yeah. So like I said, literally, K through 12. I might have had six or seven black teachers max, wow. and I only like maybe four of them. <laughs> so like, yeah. So, so I, I, I never had, and that's 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 one of the main reasons why I wanted to go to HBCU, and which was the best decision I could ever make. And that's the reason why you know, Lord willing, my children will go to HBCU as well. My wife went to HBCU, and I strongly encourage it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, make it an option. Make it an option. You know what I'm saying? If you know, of course, you want your child. You want your child to be happy, and you want them to have the best possible experience. You know, hell, 
you want to pay as you know if, if these white schools got their bread, you know what I'm saying? But I don't believe in I don't believe in uh subjecting uh your children to white supremacy in the name of having a good diploma. I believe in text, you know what I'm saying? I believe in putting your children where they could best be educated, had the best possible experience. And, you know, and, you know, and, you know, we don't, for my children, I don't want them to be 19 to 20 years old to have, when they finally start to learn for the first time and or unlearn things about their blackness, right? So they're nine to 10 years old. Like my daughter, um, you know, I will say it was Black History Month. She, she, she into it with the, the, the librarian saying, like, we always talk about Rosa Parks. I want to learn about Harry Tubman. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So that my daughter was like, yo, what's up with Harry Tubman? Rosa Parks is cool. But we always talking about this that, and the third. Let's talk about Harry Tubman. Like, that's a superhero. You know what I'm saying? Um, my, my son, they had like a little skit. He was Malcolm X. In, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm you know, I'm trying to put it on my children. And that's another reason, like, that's one of the good things about coming to Tulsa right now. Because, you know, they had the 100 year commemoration, commemoration of the uh, race massacre. And there's a lot, a lot of black pride in the city right now, man. You know, e even as, a, you know, I'm a pan-African socialist. So, you know, the Black Wall Street stuff, I respect it culturally, but that's not necessarily my politics, you know, because I'm not really with the black capitalism. But one thing I cannot deny is culturally the black pride, the black love, the black support. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's, it's just it's everywhere. It's emanating all across the city. And now it's getting out there to the world. And so at this point in my life, man, I feel like it was the best place for me and my family and uh, definitely want to continue my children in that tradition. And that's, and that's the power of representation and affirmation. You know, we need that. You know, that's like, like that's breakfast in the morning. That's, you know, when you wake up or anything you do in life, when you see someone like yourself doing well, that gives you that mindset that you can do it. And you, and the, and the beauty of you growing up, you've seen that with your parents, you know? You know what I'm saying? And I think that's important. And then the reason why I brought that up was when I heard the keyword articulate, I'm like, okay, she had to be. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, 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 you know, and, you know, for, and you know, for me, Ishmael, bro, you know, for me, man, like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a, bro, I'm so African, bro. Like, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a King English guy. Like, I, I, I believe in the power of African-American vernacular English. I understand that the tongue that we speak with, especially as Southerners, I understand that it is, it holds several remnants of our mother tongue, yeah. right? So like when you go to South Carolina or you go to like different parts of, you know what I'm saying, the South, and you hear all the natives, they can't say anything with an ST. Right. They say scrape. That's because a lot of them come from parts of Africa where there was no ST sound in it. Yeah. So to everybody else, it might sound country and dumb. No, that's them speaking their mother tongue. Like, I lived in Louisiana for 19 years, and so I have a hybrid of a southern Oklahoma and southern Louisiana accent. But a lot of the ways that, like, you know, they'll say, like, uh, you about to go to the store? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, the verb conjugations are remnants of tribal tongues from, from, from whatever. You know what I'm saying? And so as it pertains to the King's English, don't none of us sound like Queen Elizabeth? We don't. <laughs> we don't. You know what I'm saying? We don't. We don't. Right? It's 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 so it's so I don't really it's so for me when I say articulate, of course, having a vocabulary, you know, of course, be you know, being literate, you know what I mean, reading, 
having a vocabulary, but for the most part, it's the ability to to effectively communicate, right? And for me, like 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 understanding, like, and this is the reason why I love hip hop so much, is because like you know, song creating music that was on the plantation, that was the only true right that enslaved African had, and we use this language. You know, we we, we, we we mixed our African ingenuity and we use this language. So when we were saying wait on the water, that's not just like a work here. We, we're giving you instructions how to run away, right? Yeah. It's, 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 so, it's so like for me, it's like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big um, proponent of if we have to speak, you know what I'm saying, in our coded language, so our oppressors, don't know what the hell we're talking about. I'm with it. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't code switch. I'm 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 blessed to be well read enough to you know you know if I can use you know some five or six syllable words to get my point across, I will. You know what I'm saying? Even in interviews, even when I teach, right? But the most important thing is the, the effective ability to to communicate and express yourself. But even my children, like I don't I don't hold them to like say ain't hey, I don't care. I care <laughs> about everything you say around that. You know what I'm saying? And they right. and so they know. And like everybody always talks about, you know what I'm saying, how how well my children are well spoken. That's because they read. And that's because I don't, you know, like of course I'm tender and I'm loving with my children, but I don't Google Gaga them. Right? I talk to them like intelligent young people that they are. And that's the reason why everybody else when they see them, and that's the reason why they ain't gifted classes. That's the reason why, you know what I'm saying? It's right. because you know, you know, we just like I said, we we're not gonna have to unlearn all the other stuff we're gonna learn right now. You know what I mean? So, you know, articulation, it, it, you know, it's, it's important to me, but like not in the traditional sense, but it, it really is important. No, it is. And going back to my next thing, I'm about to play this banger right here, Cry Freedom. This is another one of my favorite joints right here, because it was a time and place where you know you had a lot of uncertainty. This going back into 2016. But I'm gonna play it first, and then we we'll, we'll dive right into it. Okay, bet bet. Yeah. 
Take me back to that time, 2016. So we, we, we were talking about uh, like songs that, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, people sang on the plantation. That's my that's my Negro spiritual. Like, I can't never not, I can't never not perform this song and just get like, and go straight to church with it. Like, that's my Negro spiritual. That whole album is Negro spiritual, but like, Cry Freedom is my runaway slave. You know what I'm saying? Um. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so back take, to that. yeah, before we get yeah, to, but take me back to that 2016. Um, uh, uh, we're coming up to, to the anniversary of um, the murder of uh, Alton Sterling. Um, you dropped this album, I would say like two weeks after his his, his murder. Mm -hmm. Like, take me back to that to, to, to that process of. You, I can hear like the the cry and the frustration in that song, but I felt that in that entire album. But take me back to that, how you felt when you heard the the that the story of of uh, that that murder, and the process of making this 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 spiritual album. So 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 it's it's crazy with how everything came together, man. So it's like all right, so. I'm terrible to tell the short stories, as you see. So, because I, 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 because because I, I, I got my degree in history, so I believe in context. I believe in context, right? So, all right, 2008, I started working with a producer, and over the years, like his style is a lot of the artists that he dealt with were a lot different from me, and so I would kind of get beats that the other artists didn't want. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Actually, what you hear right there, the song "Cry Freedom." It was it was first recorded in 2012. Mm. 2012. You know what I'm saying? Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Summer of 2015, I link up I link up with an artist who is creating like a um kind of like an artist co-op. You know what I'm saying? Or kind of like an artist co-op almost or whatever. And I was like, all right, and so it was supposed to be you know, of course independent, but distrib distributed na nationally. I said, you know what? I've been working on this album for six or seven years. This is the album I want to put out on this label. So this, so this album was supposed to be one of my first albums. You know what I'm saying? Probably like yeah, my first album. But you know, it, it, you know, from the time I first started working on it, and the time that it came out, I released like I don't know how many, at least two albums and X amount of EPs. But this is my baby. Like this, this is like you know they say that the album that you make, you use your whole career, like your whole life making. Like this is my life's blood. So. Um, everything, everything is going, everything is going crazy. You know what I'm saying? Now, mind you, Trayvon Moore happened in 2012. Uh, 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 Mike Brown happened in, in Ferguson in 2014. And so, like, with me being a career conscious artist, I always like kind of lifted my voice and my influence to let people know what was going on. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm real good with a lot of brothers out there in St. Louis, Tefpo, uh, T. Dubbo, Christian Black Star Blackman. And so, I was kind of tapped into what they were doing on out there. So. I want to say we picked we picked the album release date for July 22nd. We picked that right around this time. We so had to be like early June of 2016. Right. And uh I remember July 4th. You know, I'm a Daha Oklahoma City Thunder fan. July 4th, 2016. Katie said he was leaving us. And so I'm like hurt. 
I went about the Russell Westbrook Jordans. You know what I'm saying? Just just to spite KD. I told my daughter, she started crying because you know she loved she loved Thunder too. You know what I'm saying? And the next day, I find out, and I, I'm in Oklahoma at the time. The next day, I find out that Aldis Thurlow was lynched. Now, um, at the time, I was a mental health counselor. And well, even before that, so even before I was a mental health counselor, um, I used to, I used to, I used to run uh, a positive asset based youth development program, and we called it T360 Hip Hop University. So hip hop education, youth development, similar to what I'm doing now. And it was about three or four blocks down from where the store where Aldis Thurlow was lynched at, right? And, you know, we we know him as CD man. I'd about seen these from him before. Um, but at this time in 2016, I was a mental health counselor and I had clients who lived half a mile away. So I saw him all the time. I saw him two or three times a week. You know what I'm saying? You know, going back and forth in, in North Baton Rouge on, on this. Um, he, he, he got killed on the corner of Fairfield and North Foster. And my guy lived like a couple of blocks down. And, and, and the building I used to work at was on Fairfield. So I can look outside my old building and see the store where he would be at. And from this, you know, I, so I knew exactly where the place was. Right. And so he gets killed. And with me being known for like, you know, you know, doing some youth organizing. I hate to say, I hate to use the word activist because it's a whole lot loaded with that now. But like definitely doing a whole lot of stuff with the youth. And definitely be community organ, uh, community minded, and uh, you know, just a career conscious rapper. Eric, is so many things hit me, and like it's, it's it's for me to talk about what's going on in St. Louis and in Ferguson is one thing, but for this shit to happen in my city, in my community where I work at, where my clients and my young people live at, it hit completely different, right? And so next thing you know, it's man, I'm getting called into leadership. And I and I didn't feel like I was ready, wow. so I'm literally I'm having meetings with the Nation of Islam, um, I'm having meetings with the aunt of of, of uh, Alton Sterling, I'm getting called like so just like I said I didn't know that the series directed you towards me, right. but a lot of uh, publications and a lot of uh, like news sites were hitting him up, you know what I'm saying, and he directed them towards me. So now I'm doing NPR interviews and I'm doing all this other type of stuff and I'm super, super scared. Because, right. you know, and I'm going to tell you, it's real, you can talk to me when it's not in your neighborhood. Right. But when you got to step up and be a leader and you're scared and you got you got the new Black Panthers coming to town and they started up a whole, a whole bunch of BS. You got DeRay McKesson coming to town, starting up a whole bunch of BS. You got Local politicians clout chasing. You got a whole bunch of other stuff. You don't know who's who. You got agent provocateurs out here doing stuff. It was terrifying, bro. I'm not gonna lie to you. And I talked to Alton Sterling's auntie, and she prayed over me. Wow. She prayed over me, bro. You know what I'm saying? And so there was a point I was like, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm in the middle of rolling out my album. So I felt guilty about it. And there was even some uh, uh, murmurs from the peanut gallery saying that I'm trying to capitalize on this stuff. Wow. 
it was other rappers saying it and everything, and it almost came to blows. Wow. Like, it was up. Like, I was like, you know, rappers diss each other all the time. You know what I'm saying? That's what that's a part of that's a part of the sport. Right. But I felt like them saying that I was trying to capitalize off Alvin Sterling's death. That was that was too far. And all the conscious peace loving, you know what I'm saying, stuff, that was without the window. I'll be honest with you. Cause that really hurt. That really hurt on a personal level. But you know, it, it didn't it didn't get to that, it didn't get to that situation. So it was Brother Willie Muhammad out of Miles 46 out of uh New Orleans. I was like, brother, should I drop this album or not? He was like, the people need it now more than ever. Yeah. I talked to Jasiri X, big bro. I like, bro, this is what you do. He was like, that people need this more than ever. Uh, I talked to Alder Sterling's auntie. Wow. She said, people need this more than ever. And so I remember the day it dropped, I did a uh I did a listening party at a studio. Probably about 40, 50 people there. And we going through the album, we going through the album, we going through the album. And the last song of the album is the title track Cry Freedom. And Ishmael, when I say I cried like a baby. Wow. Like just listening to the music, thinking about what's going on outside. It was a war zone. Streets barricaded, blocked off, uh, uh police beating children up. Beating women up, police running to people's houses, you know what I'm saying? Running into private property. And I cried like a baby because I was terrified. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't feel like I was doing enough. But at the same time, my goal is to get back to my babies. Right. And I'm thinking, like, how can I keep my people safe? How can I keep my how can I protect my family? If I die protecting somebody else, yeah. what could I do? What could I do? And I feel so guilty about it. I'm not gonna lie to you. I cried like a baby. And afterwards, like after the end, so it, it was, it was, uh, it was a different experience. After the song goes off, I'm crying like a baby, and we just, it just turned into like a, I don't know what it was. You see all these brothers in hip hop, and we just, we comforted each other, we hugged each other, tell each other we love each other, we support each other. And we're just talking about what we can do to make sure our community stays safe and stays better. And so out of this meeting, so the next week, I did I did our release party for it. And we raised a couple hundred bucks for the children out of Sterling. And but out of that meeting, after my listening party, uh, we started organizing in terms of what we can do to get. So we we already had like a group called Black Men Talk, where it was just kind of like a place where brothers come together. It's just, you know, we ain't, ain't no, literally, ain't no women and ain't no white folks. <laughs> black men being able to talk about black men shit, uninterrupted, unfiltered, and just had that space, like a community circle, right? right. And so we already had that going on. And so we kind of transitioned black men talk into like a, a, a situation called people first, hmm. to where we can try to organize people and come up with a plan to, to like, you know, you know, to, 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 Make sure this never happens again. Put pressure on politicians. Get some policy changes and things that we can do to organize in our community. So one of the so one of the things I said. So I called Miss Vita, which is out of Sterling's uh, uh, auntie, who was doing a lot of organizing. I said, "How can we help?" She was like, "Everybody's talking about so." After, so if you if you if you go back on the news, you remember the out of Sterling. She had like an older son that was talking, right? Yes. Alton had Alton had about. 
maybe six or seven children. And she was saying how like those children are being forgotten. You know what I'm saying? And so myself and my brother Donnie Rose, who who now he so now he's he's a he's a activist writer. You know, he was a he's a career poet, but he's an activist writer. And uh, you know what I'm saying? We came together and we had we we did a we did a fundraiser. And we got all we got singers, we got rappers, we got poets, we got musicians, and we did it. We did an event downtown Baton Rouge. We probably had about four or five hundred. Now I would, probably I would say at least two hundred fifty people in that room, and we raised about two or three grand. Wow! And 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 I I went to a black owned bank. I started, every piece of money I got from the I, I donated when my album dropped. I donated some of the proceeds from the album release show plus what I raised. I put in this black owned bank, and uh. Whatever we raised, every single drop of what we raised, this, what's the name? Got all this money, put in this black-owned bank. When Miss Vita said, hey, I need that money, one of the proudest things I was able to do. Get that money. Go get, go, 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 go get that bag. I closed the account out so it ain't no funny business. I came and dropped off a bag for me. Wow. You understand what I'm saying? And so, so like I said, so it was, so like I said, like, this stuff happened smack dab in the middle of my album rollout. Right. And so I was already selling the Cry Freedom t-shirts. So if you look back during that summer, you look at any March, you see a Cry Freedom t-shirt. And so in a messed up, selfish way, it was great for my career. Right. But I hate it had to come to at the expense of what my people went through. Because people see the murders. You know, so that 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 summer was terrible for us. So, out of standard, got lynched. And then, if you remember, that crazy, that crazy friends black dude came to kill. Them. He came from out of town to kill the police. Yeah. And so they was they were beating our asses even more. You know what I'm saying? And then, about six weeks later, after out of standard got lynched, we had flood. We had floods that did more damage than they had more. You know, it was it was almost bad as Katrina. So Louisiana was in a bad, bad was in a bad place at that time. It was in a really, really, really bad place. And so, for, like I said, for me, as an artist, like you know, what I'm saying, I'm not gonna act like I just sold, I sold a lot of T-shirts, I sold a lot of CDs because people was like, right now ain't the time to be listening to about killing and shooting people and dancing. Like we want to hear something that's going to speak to our souls, that's going to reflect what's going on. You know what I'm saying? So. The album did well. My career did advance. But I hate this, I hate to say that it was at the expense of all this other negativity that went on. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, Ishmael, like I said, this music, the original version of Cry Freedom had been recorded for four years before. You know what I'm saying? So it was God putting me at the right place in the right time. A lot of people to this day say that that album got them through that time. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, like. Even though that song was recorded before that happened, you can hear it in my voice. Yeah. And I feel like God, I feel like God, God put that in me. Just, just, just like it's an extension. Of, I, I, you know, sometimes, you know, my, my, my spiritual politics are a little bit more secular than my parents were. You know what I'm saying? 
But that's it, 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 my father understood that because it was like, I can't go where you go and talk to the people that you talk to. Right. So I don't like you cursing like that. But as long as, you know, profane is one thing, but crass is another. Right? As long as it's not inappropriate and crass, you got to do what you got to do. Because my daddy couldn't go into a club and sing gospel music. But I can go give you these, what I call conscious rap for gang members. You understand what I'm saying? So, but I, I truly do look at my music as an extension of my ministry, as a form of ministry. And so I think God put that record in my heart to be a to, to have a healing quality and articulate and bring and bring attention to what's been going on in our city for a long time. I just started when the first person killed, but po, po, but police know what's up now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like they they I mean, you know, this is around the same time. We got a black mayor, a, a black woman mayor. You know what I'm saying? A lot more black politicians. We got black police chief. You know what I'm saying? Which is whatever, but people are definitely, it ain't, it ain't like it was back, you know what I'm saying, where police were just busting people's head and nothing was right. happening. They they don't they don't want this smoke no more. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, so that that was, a, that was a, 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 it was many sleepless nights. It was, it was, it was many tearful nights. It was many fear nights, but I was so paranoid. It got to the point that when we was talking, when we was talking like real organizing stuff, we would sit in our cars with our phones off. Wow. Because age of the tours is everywhere. People was, it was our type of mess. You never, you couldn't trust nobody. Right. You could, like, it, it would be times that me and my partners would be talking, you could hear the echoes in our phone calls. Wow. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you can hear it all. So, so like when we really started organizing, we would like we would have closed door meetings. You know what I'm saying? We would literally lock the doors, couldn't nobody come in, come out. Uh, we didn't really do no pat downs like talk about, but we would tell everybody to turn their phones off. But like like but the, the crew, like the four or five of us, we would sit right. in my car, all our phones off talking, whatever. So it was a it was it was an interesting time, man. But you know, like, you know, I I I thank God that we all made it to the other side. And uh, you know, bad rules are still bad rules or whatever. But I do feel like I do feel like the work that we did and the work that so many others did, million times more than me. I I do feel like it made a difference. And you did, man. And I'm a strong believer that you know, people are put in places for certain reasons. You know, you know, if you go back to Dr. King, like Dr. King would never, you would have never, he would never imagine himself being the voice of the civil rights movement, right? You know, and, um, you know, you were just the right person at the right time that had the right, that had the perfect message to get people through the storm that they were dealing with. And the music slapped. Yeah. The music was great. I listened to the album, like, <laughs> like, I listened to the album, and I'm a fan of my own album. Like, the second song of the album, Stand Whisper, that's my all-time favorite song I've ever done, because it articulates everything who I am to the T. You got the gospel influence. You got the street influences. You got the black power influences on it. I'm storytelling. It's, it's, it's just it's just so much of that song. The vocal inflections of it, and that was the first song that me and Joe ever recorded together. And, and, but I had like, yo, we got we got to run this one back. But, but the album snap, man. I had you guys like so for Baton Rouge, bro. Like a lot of Baton Rouge rappers don't rap with people outside of Baton Rouge. Right. So I had Tef Poe, who Tef Poe, who was one of the main. Artists and people organizing with Ferguson, he really rapped about he rapped about 
or you know what was going on in Ferguson. He rapped about like he's like I'm sitting I'm sitting next to Ferris Khan smelling like Doja. You know what I'm saying? I had substantial a dude from the DMV who when I hit him up, I'm like, yo, I want to hop on this record. He was like, I want to rap on some southern shit. Don't give me no boom bap stuff. So I got substantial who was super duper boom bap. You know what I'm saying? East Coast DMV rapping over a song that sounded like a different big crit. In fact, he said I want. He said one of my favorite artists is Big Crit. I got uh the legendary North Carolina MC Superstition on my album. You know what I'm saying? I got my OG Truth Universal on the album. I got matter of fact, uh, my OG Kamikaze, who was you know part of Crooked Letters in Jackson, Mississippi. I think I got the last verse he ever did before he retired. So that album is like, of course, like you had a great album produced from top to bottom that came out in this polarizing moment. Yeah. And the time, like my friend was telling me the other day, he was like, look, I'm not saying that you don't have better music than Cry Freedom, but if you was outside when Cry Freedom came out, you understand why this is a classic. Like yeah. I can't, like I'm, like, I don't even be trying to like blow smoke on my own behind like that. But I have, like if I, I have one, that's my ill man. That's my, that's my, I got one, that's yeah, my ready to die, that's my blueprint. Like, I got one certified underground independent hip hop classic from the South. I was blessed to put my stamp, you know what I'm saying, representing Louisiana, representing Baton Rouge, representing the South, put my stamp on the culture, and it's forever going to be a part of my legacy. And so that album is super, that's like my baby. Like, if, 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 if you could take away every other piece of music, give me those 10 songs right there, and I'm good. No, but I don't want to. The beauty of you, man, you have this history of great work. And you got this new project called Sweetest Inspiration, which is a banger before we talk about that. But also going back to your principle and standards, because of that, you were able to work with so many great artists. And then two of my favorite artists that you had to, to, to work with was uh, Wordsworth and Sky Zoo. Talk about that experience. Brooklyn in the house. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, look, bro, I'm, bro, I'm like, I'm a country boy from Oklahoma, man. So for me to work, for me to make a name for myself in Louisiana means everything to me. For me to work with artists who I've been listening to, who I'm super duper fans of, it means everything, right? So, um, so Sky Zoo first, right? I've been a fan of Sky Zoo since 2008 or nine. He was on the, he was on Rhapsody's Honda Accord remix, Honda Accord music remix. And so, you know, I am, a, and we'll talk about this later, but I am a diehard Fonte fan, diehard Little Brother fan, diehard Justice League fan, diehard whatever. I'm a diehard <laughs> North Carolina hip hop fan, right? Like 100%. Right. And so, you know, Sky Zoo kind of came out with the North Carolina guys. He came, his first album was, it was it was a, a joint album with Jamla and Duck Down, you know what I'm saying, with Knife Wonder. And he, mm -hmm. was, you know, he dropped mixtapes with Knife Wonder, whatever. So yeah. I've been, I'm, so I, I've been in that hole. I have every single physical CD or project and download the guys was ever put out. I talked to him a couple times on. I talked to him a couple times online, and uh, you know he was real cool. Um, so fast forward 2018, um, Tyler McQuali is coming through Baton Rouge. I'm like, oh, I'm going, right? I'm going. Like, I'm a, like, he don't he don't like the term conscious rap, but if you're a conscious rapper. Tyler McQuarrie, he's, he's he's on your mouth about Rushmore. He's like one of the most successful conscious hip hop artists ever. You know what I'm saying? Like every conscious hip hop artist needs a record like The Blast or Just to Get By. 
that crosses yeah. over. It did that's those songs were just as big as anything that came out those years, right? Yeah. So I tried to get on the show. I failed getting on the show, but I promoted like it was mine, right? At the last minute, Sky Zoo got added to the tour. And I was pissed because the venue didn't put his name in the marquee. Wow. Because they didn't know who it was. And I went the F off. <laughs> I went I went the F off to the point <laughs> to where the venue reached out to me and told, asked me to stop. Like, I should be ashamed of ourselves. That's the reason why artists never come here. Y'all don't know what the hell y'all doing. I mean, I went the F off, right? So, um, Sky performs. A lot of people didn't know who he was. Me and a couple other people. I'm in the front row, said every single word. It's like, like, it was probably one of the best nights of my life as it pertains to hip-hop in Baton Rouge. I wouldn't put it on, but everybody knew I was a cultural leader for underground hip-hop in Baton Rouge. Right. So, they following my lead. Y'all come to the stage. Like, four, five hundred people, y'all come to the stage. Y'all come up here with me. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm drunk as a skunk. Me and my father, Buddha Jones. I'm super duper hyped, right? And so I had cry free the mountain. I had seven. And Sky is so down to earth, bro. Like, he worked his own merch table. A lot of people still didn't know who he was. So it wasn't no line over there. I go over there. Bro, I'm a big fan. Woo, 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 woo. I buy this I hat. He, uh, it's the last hat he had, too. It's like uh, the FGR joint. I'm the only yes. person in the state of Louisiana with it. I got an autograph. This is in my what's his name. The only person in the state of Louisiana. Well, not it. Look, I'm I'm in Oklahoma now, so ain't nobody in Louisiana got this hat. You know what I mean? So like, I'm super excited <laughs> about the situation, and I'm I'm drunk as a stump, bro. I like all right. So I wait till I kind of sober down a little bit. I tell my partner Mark Dub, I said, bro, do me a favor, go out to my van and get a copy of Seven and get a copy of Cry Free. I'm about to shoot my shot with one of my favorite rappers. I go up to him. I'm like, yo, took a picture. I said, look, bro, I'm drunk right now, so I ain't going to lie to you. I'm not coming to you on my P's and Q's like I should, but I'm a super-duper fan. I've been following you for a long time. He said, yeah, that was you going crazy about not me being on the bill. I said, yeah, that was me. I said, yes, indeed. I said, look, I want to give you two of my albums. I want you to listen to them. I'm working on the album. I would love to have you be a part of it. And you know what I'm saying? If you like what you hear, you know what I'm saying? Maybe we can work something out. He said, he said, you know, you're for sure, Duke. I got you, Duke. All right, bet that up. So I want to say the show was on March 23rd and March 24th. He hits me. He's on tour still. He hits me back maybe about a week or so later. No, not even that long. He hits me back about maybe three or four days later. He said, okay. He said, yo, I like what you did on Stan Whisper. I like what you did on Free Black People. I, oh, you really listen. You know what I'm saying? He really listened to the album. He said, I like what you do. He was like, look, I could definitely do a verse for you. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be X amount of dollars. I said, bro, I love you, but I can't afford that. He said, what can you afford? And so we came out we came out with a price that was fair for both of us. He said, I'm going to have it back to you ASAP. When I say, when I say, I met him on, I met him on March 24th. He rushed back out to me at the beginning of April. He had the verse back to me in less than two weeks from the time I met him. Wow. So what people don't know is I hadn't even, I had the production, but I hadn't even started recording my album yet. Wow. So it starts with the Black Messiah. The first verse on the verse, the first verse that was recorded 
for a search of the black beside of the sky zoo. Wow. And I'm just like, yo. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm like, yo, this dude will never ever rap double time. Nope. He get on my shit. He wouldn't turn into goddamn twister. I'm like, what's going on here? I'm like, yo, what am I supposed to do? And so there's probably about three or four different versions of that song. Why have different verses? I'm like, first of all, Sky Zoo's one of the best rappers on the planet. It's not getting twisted. He's one of the most, he is the most consistent underground independent hip hop artist. He's one of the best rappers on the planet. It's not getting twisted at all. His new album is, is a classic. I love it. Best Styles Burning is my favorite rap song of the year. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, damn, bro. I can't, I can't not rap this dude. But I was like, you know what? I just got to do me. I got to right. do what makes Marcel P. Black. So I think I did my thing. Like I, I held my own. And like a lot of people saying that's some of my best work. And so, um, and so then fast forward 2019. And so it's crazy because, so like, Sky is such a real dude. Like, he's independent just like me. Like, he, we only, like he's like, he's not that much older than me. And so like, we from the same era. But like, so I did a record with him. I met him in March. And then it just so happened that uh, in July, we was on this festival together in Ohio, the 2 by 2 festival. And so, you know, Sky's bald here, but you always see him with hats, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> I'm performing, I'm performing on stage, and I see this light-skinned bald head dude like putting his hands up. I'm like, he look for me, but I ain't really see him. <laughs> he put his hat back on. I, oh, that Sky. I said, yo, Sky's who's rocking out to me. I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to be cool, not be too much of a fanboy, but I'm really like happy, right? And so I go over there. Yo, Scott, what's up? Yo, what up, dude? He said, man, you doing, man? He's like, yeah. He said, man, you got to send me the version of the record. I haven't heard it since I recorded it. He said, but yeah, man, you know, we chop it up or whatever. He said, yo, yo, I want to introduce you to somebody. He calls over Apollo Brown. What? Because I know. And so it, 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 so it, it, it was cool. Be, right. It, it was cool because Apollo Brown, uh, Apollo Brown was, uh, he and DJ the set for, um, What's his name? Oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. Was it was it Joel Ortiz? No, 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 no. It's it's a Hispanic. He's he from Michigan too. His name is uh, he's Wu Tang affiliated. I cannot remember his name. It, it escapes me right now. But anyways, he DJ the set for this other artist, and I and I and they went they went before me. Right. And so Apollo Brown was like, "Yo, the big dude kind of killed it." And his partner, I can't think of his name right now. So anyway, so like Apollo Brown had just seen me perform. The other guy seen me perform. I go after him. And so Skies who introduced me to Apollo Brown. And and to this day, Apollo Brown remembers that. And we, you know, we friends on Facebook and we've talked about some things. Hopefully we some good things. But we've definitely talked about some things, right? But like so, so he introduced me to Apollo Brown, and then I meet Blue, but I see Blueprint again. And so, you know, it's, it's so it was just a great day for me. But so then the next month, he's on tour, and he's and so it's 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 a it's a it's a bill. Was is is in New Orleans with Sky Zoo and Raz Cash? Wow! Right, boom. So, so I actually, so hmm, I'm gonna get to that. Um, <laughs> so, 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 so I, I meet Raz Cash and we we exchange numbers as well. You know what I'm saying? But now this, so this is the third time I've seen I've seen Sky Zoo in two or three months, and so we familiar with each other. So he rapping, he shot me up on the stage. I'm, you know, what I'm saying we taking pictures or whatever, and so everything is cool. Fast right. forward, fast forward, fast forward. Um. 2019, you know what I'm saying? I just get back from my tour, and he's beginning his tour of Retropolitan. Right. And I hit him up personally, like, yo, 
I want to open. I was like, yo, you coming to New Orleans? Can I open your show? He said, come on, come on through. Like personally, you know what I'm saying? And so I ended up hosting the show that night because the host and the DJ fell off the bill. Right. So I ended up, I, so I performed, I ended up hosting, and my DJ ended up being the house DJ for the night. Mm. After the show, we chopped it up. Like just had a real good conversation. Like he did an interview, he shot me out in the interviews and things of that nature. And so I'm not gonna act like, I mean, you know, we was talking the other day because I gave him congrats on the album. I'm not gonna act like we BFF, but we definitely have a relationship. And Lord willing, we talked about touring at the time. It was before the pandemic. We talked about touring and uh hopefully we do some more music and things of that nature. Hopefully I can get him out of the Tulsa. You know what I'm saying? You know, when when you know, once 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 my bread is back up and you know, everything is back running. But like Sky Zoo, so like like I said, but but for me, bro, I've never stopped being a fan of the culture. I love hip hop. Like I'm 37 years old, bro, and I feel like I'm 15. Like I get so hyped, I get so animated. I love hip hop with a passion. So for me to be able to like have a relationship with and be cool with and have records with who I feel is one of the best rappers on the planet, it means everything to me. So let's go to words one. So that's that's Scotty's story. Let's go to words one. <laughs> Been a fan of World versus Lyrics Lounge. You know what I'm saying? Um, fast forward 2019, I'm doing a festival called Nine Pillars in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. And I knew he was headlining. So I'm like, I got to, you know, so it was him and Cesar right. Comanche, who was one of my OGs, Cesar Comanche of the Justice League. You know what I'm saying? Right. There wouldn't be no Knife Wonder. I'm sorry, there wouldn't be no Rhapsody, Little Brother, whatever. If there was not no Justice League, and Justice League was founded by Knight Wonder Cesar Comanche. That's one of my mentors. Right. So um, I'm rapping, and I see this dude walk in at the end. I said, that's words work. So I'm really going hard on stage. I'm really trying to like, <laughs> I'm really trying to go for it. I'm really trying to go for it. And right. so while I'm rapping, while I'm performing, I see them moving my merch out. I wonder what they do. I say, hold on, that touch my merch. But they, they're making space for him. I said, okay, cool. Right. I'll be you. Right. It's perfect, right? <laughs> and so I go back over. I'm going back over. I'm dabbing people down, taking pictures, whatever. I go to my merch table. And he's like, yo, you dope. You dope, bro. Like, that was cold. He was like, man, give me, give me check your music out. I'm like, this is words worth telling. This is one, this is one of the best rappers on the planet. Yes. Like, don't nobody want a problem with, with, with words with Vincent, man. Don't, you know what I'm saying? So, so um, so so he um so he um so you know, we, we you know we, we exchanged numbers and about two or three months later, he was like, Yo, do you be doing shows in Baton Rouge? And so for me, I'm known as a plug-ish, man. And so a lot, so I'm able to get a lot of stuff done because I'm the plug, right? Yeah. As, as it pertains to like touring and getting shows booked. So but he met me as a rapper. He didn't even know I did shows. I like I absolutely do. But at the time I was on the road, I couldn't I couldn't accommodate him. But right. it just so happened that I used I used to curate an event called Fade the Flow Sundays. And literally it was a hip hop show on the Sunday at a barbershop that we'd have 8,200 people there. That's dope. People literally flying in from Chicago, from New York City, from Miami. I had one dude come from Haiti, bro. From wow. Minnesota, from Virginia. Houston, Atlanta to come rap at a barbershop on a Sunday. And then it got right. really, really big. This particular year, it was being sponsored by Hip Hop DX. Okay. Okay. So this barbershop hip hop show was being sponsored by Hip Hop DX. People in the back room still don't understand how big that was, but that's, that's another case. So it's a three year anniversary, whatever, boom. He hits me up. 
I fly him out to do. I fly him out to do. Uh, to do Fade and Flow Sundays, and it's amazing. It was like it was. You talk about putting on the clinic. Like he came to stay. Right. He did like the local press. You know what I'm saying? He did like freestyles for my people, things of that nature. He even like yeah, he he words were so cool. It was some dudes that he heard performing at my show. He asked them to be on his album. Wow. Yep. <laughs> They're going to be on his upcoming album. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So whatever. So fast forward. So I was working on so so kind of so back to the Raz Cast point, right? So I was working on the search of the Black Messiah, and I had this beat or whatever. And I originally I met I met Raz Cast, we exchanged numbers. I originally sent it to Raz Cast. He was on tour, he couldn't get to it. Right. Um, I sent it to AC alone from the West Coast. Right. He was on tour, he couldn't get to it. I sent it to Blueprint. And I don't I can't remember what happened. He might have been writing his book at the time. He couldn't get right. to it. And so I really wanted like an old school hip hop legend to like be on this record. And right. so that song didn't make that version of the song. It didn't make a search of a black messiah. But right. by this time, me and Wordsworth got a really good relationship. Like we talked, like he gave me a lot, you know, because he's a he's a he's a hip hop educator as well. He's a teacher as well. Yeah. And so, like at around this time, you know what I'm saying? He was real cool about like, you know, talking about hip hop in the classrooms and just talk talking as men more than just rappers, right? Talking as fathers. And he gave me a lot of like he gave me a lot of advice on how to like balance being a husband and father. You know what I'm saying? And being a touring artist. The things you can do. He talks to me a lot about healthy eating. You know, he's about 10 years older than me. You know, we're not about, about eight years older than me. So he just gave me a lot of just just older black man advice. You know what right. I'm saying? When my pops, when my pops passed away, he called and we talked about the situation. So we just we really grew like a, a friendship. Right. And so when I was doing the re-release, the 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 the, the Lux version of this Church of the Black Messiah, I'm like, you know what? I got somebody. So I, I, I sent I sent I sent it to words and he laced it like immediately. You know what I'm saying? He laced wow. it immediately and uh you know put it out. And so so his his version, so so he was so he was able to be a part of the in search of the black beside the Lux edition. And like, that's bro, like where I'm from, dog, people don't get to work with dudes like that. No. You know what I'm saying? And like he's one of those rappers, you put him in front of any crowd, it don't matter. It could be the hooders of the hood crowd. It could be the whitest of the white. It could be the geekiest of the geeky. It don't matter. This dude is a technician, as a performer, as a rapper. He just like he, like I learned so much about professionalism and just like how to properly do stuff. You know what I'm saying? So words rap is definitely somebody who I consider a friend. And uh, you know what I'm saying? I've learned a whole lot about him. It's just it's an honor and pleasure, man. It did for me, just like as a, as a student of the craft, like. For me to be able to hold my own with some of the best MCs, like forget what everybody else say, that means something to me. People who I really admire their craft, and if I get on the record with them and hold my own and get their respect, get their respect, that means everything to me, man. So, you know, big shout out to Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Big shout out to BK Ben Stock. You know what I mean? Big shout out to, you know what I mean? Getting the records with them, that's, that's really dope, man. For real. And that goes back to like, again, like I said, it's about principle and standards. The reason why you have relationships with these guys, because they know your conviction. You know what I mean? They know what you're about. And that's important. Um, but again, 
Second to that narrative, principle and standards. Um, what are the things as a father, as a husband, have you learned going through the pandemic? Through the pandemic. Communication was everything. I'm sorry, what's the last thing you said? No, I said going back to sticking to the the, uh, the 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 narrative of principle and standards. What have you learned going through the pandemic as a father, as a husband, as just all around as a human being? What have you learned more about yourself that you didn't learn that you learned going through the pan pandemic? Love hard, love completely, and never let a day go by without letting know how you feel about it. Because, like, like I said, for me, like I said, bro. I I, I, tour, I I had to cancel all my tour dates on March 17th, 2020. My father passed away March 18th, 2020. So my pandemic was different. I can say it's different from everybody else's. But he, he he didn't pass away because of COVID. I'm not really even sure what really. I, I, I still don't understand why he passed away, to be honest with you. But I spent this whole pandemic grieving. And it was a big change for me because... Over the last five years, I'm gone 50, 60 nights of, of the year. You know what I'm saying? So if, if even if even if it's 60 shows, right? Sometimes it's me leaving on a Friday to do the show on the Saturday and coming back on the Sunday. So a good 20% of the year, I'm not at home. You know what I mean? So this sort of last year and a half is the most I've been home since I don't know when. You know what I'm saying? And so not only is the world slowed down, I can't work. I can't tour. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm in deep grief. You know what I'm saying? And one thing I wanted to do, and I heard Fonte say this. He's like, as a father, he wants to make sure that his children know who's, knows who he is. And so I've kind of loosened up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Joking with him, playing with him a whole lot more. Like, uh, talking to him freely. Uh, taking him with me. Like, they was in my Sunday video. You know what I'm saying? The, you know, they was in my Sunday. I, the whole video was based around them. Uh, including them on the things that daddy does. You know what I'm saying? Meeting them where they at. My, my, my daughter's real big in the anime. I don't know a damn thing about anime. <laughs> but I'm going to watch it with her and I'm going to get her the posters I'm going to get her the comic books and whatever, you know what I'm saying my son is real big in the retro video games so I'm putting down 2K and I'm downloading Streets of Rage 4 and I'm downloading Battletoads and we got the Sega Genesis and we playing Street Fighter 2 and we playing Sonic I'm meeting my children where they're at I want to know what they're interested in I want to be a part of it so when they think back on these times they think about daddy. So when my father passed away, I think about like all the great things he did for me and how I remembered it. And so now that's my standard. I want my children to have the same memories, the great memories with me. And I want them to know who I am. I want them to be able to ask me questions. Like I didn't hide grieving for them. I showed them what grieving looks like. And I showed them what therapy looks like. I got, you know, I started going to therapy. I got them into therapy. You know what I'm saying too? To deal, to deal, to deal with the loss, um, and just, just, just being as transparent as possible as a father, and loving them hard every day, 
telling them everything I love about them, why I love them, showing them that I love them as much as possible. You know what I'm saying? They, you know, they, they rap like my children. They're on my album. <laughs> they're on my album. You know what I'm saying? Like, if my daughter really wanted to rap, she would be nice. She way better at ten than I was. You know what I'm saying? So, so I learned. You know, and just love the people that you love, man. Just love them as hard as you can. Love them unconditionally, cause you never know. You never know. If I didn't wake up the next day, I want them to know that their father loved them 100 percent completely. You know what I'm saying? And I want them to love me the same. Uh, my wife, I learned to face whatever dinner, whatever we did with head on. Let's not talk about it later. Of course, if you, sometimes you need your cool down period. You know what I'm saying? I learned to apologize. I learned to be vulnerable. I learned to listen. I learned to give space. I learned when to speak up. I learned when to step back. I learned to do every single thing you possibly could to make sure that we're close and that we're happy. I learned that she will kill for me. I learned that she will die for me. I learned that she will sacrifice everything for me. You know what I'm saying? I learned that she makes me, my, my, my family makes me a better person. I'd be cap as hell without them. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, like, so it goes from me never being home. I can say never be home. Me, me, me being gone a lot to seeing these people every single day. You know, I'm teaching in one room and they in the other room doing virtual learning. And she's in this room doing virtual learning. And you know what I'm saying? So, like, it was an interesting year for us. But, uh, you know, man, it's, it's it's been it's been a lot of ups and downs, bro. But I feel like, you know, like. Part of us moving to Tulsa, man, it was be back closer to the family, be back closer to my mom, and just like, you know, just having a new beginning starting. You know, we gotta, you know, we ain't got nothing in here now because we just moved in, we ain't got no furniture, you know what I'm saying? Like, talk about, but moving to a good neighborhood, better jobs, better house, everything, and just really being adults about it. And like, you know, just, just basically doing everything we can to provide a better life for our children and our family, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, it was a very, it was, it was a, once again, similar to the Alder Sterling situation, right? Like the the genesis of it might not have been the best, you know, pandemic and the death. Right. But God had a plan for us all along. And, you know, and everything is starting to kind of come back together again to where we're all really happy. We're all, you know what I'm saying, getting along and take care of our business like that. So, you know, it's a. Uh, it's a process, man, but I, I, I'm, 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 I'm glad to be, you know, grief, grief is lifelong. I'll never have this hole in my heart feel ever again, but learning how to cope with it and learning how to like kind of come out of that. Cause like the first man, the first three or four months, I don't even remember those months. Right. I was in a daze, bro. And honestly, it wasn't until I started teaching when I actually started coming out that daze again. Right. Like, cause it gave me purpose. Because for so long, my happiness depended on what I could do on that stage. Right. And my happiness, you know what I'm saying? And like my motivation was my pops. So without those with those things gone, I didn't have any purpose and I really wasn't really motivated. But getting in front of that classroom, being able to teach what I love and talk about what I love gave me purpose or whatever. And so that kind of started getting me out the funk and then going to therapy and then, you know what I'm saying, doing things of that nature. You know what I'm saying? So it's been, I'm telling you, bro, like I grew up last year. I was, I was, I, you know, I was punched in the face hard as I could. 
And I'm proud of the way me and my family came out on the other side. And you have, and it's man. still it, and, and, and it's still a process, you know. So, uh, yeah, man, it's just, it's, just, it's truly a blessing. Nah, I, and you have, man. I'm I'm truly a proud proud of you, man. You you're just amazing human being, you know. And I feel like what happens thank is you, thank uh, you. as a as as a as an artist, people try to put you in one box. They're like, oh, you're just a rapper, and that's it. But you're more than that. You're you're a father. You're a husband. You 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 know you're a rapper. You know you're a teacher. You know you you're so many things. So to wrap this great conversation, um, let's talk about the sweetest inspiration. All right, cool. Well, it's, it's 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 a um, it is the first thing I have an album called Everything I Love, uh, which is dropping hopefully sometime this summer. There's there's, a, there's you know things kind of got delayed with the movie things of that nature. I wanted to drop before I left Louisiana, but uh, sweetest inspiration, man. Um, uh, my friend had bought some beats from another producer, and he played me the beat just to listen to it. I said, "Bro, if me and you have to fight in the middle of the pandemic, I need this beat. <laughs> if we have to go find the gloves, I like, bro, I need this beat. I need this. Beat. I need this beat. Um, this would be my so. I have two other songs that Luther Vandross samples, so me and Luther get along well. You know what I mean." And I already had the I already had the verses the song written, and I couldn't really find the beat. Right. And when I heard that beat, I like, oh, this is it right here, because that's uh, what's the name of that sample? Um, Which one? One twelve. One twelve used that sample on the song with Mace called "Love Me." Yeah, you know what yes. I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. So, so I already I always like that beat. I like that sample. But when I heard the way he flipped it, I said, oh. Whatever I like, bro, my brother. <laughs> if we got a box to get this beat, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> so I did the record. That's one of my all-time favorite records. I'm really proud of this song. It's already like it's done well, like on the podcast and the mix shows, but it's already on rotation here in Tulsa. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it passed the I, I submitted it. It's, it's in rotation right now. Um I like that. I, I like you know, certain songs like similar to principles and standards, but this is a little bit more personal, like. Songs that really say who I am. You know what I'm saying? Dignity over dope, history over hoax. You know what I'm saying? It like it's like like it like this album that I'm working on, everything I love, it's not a quote unquote conscious hip hop album that you would respect from me. But everything's political. You know what I'm saying? Power over police, 20s over 12, God over genocide, heaven over hell. So it's like it's like I'm still letting you know where I'm coming from politically, what I'm about. You know what I'm saying? But it's not like a, it's not like cry freedom and things of that nature. You know what I'm saying? It's right. not as this, whatever. But everything's political. Everything's political. But but this album isn't. This out this the album is, um, everything I love is. It begins March 19th, the day after my father passed away, and it ends on March 19, 2020, and it ends on January 30th, 2021. The day that I visit my father's gravesite for the first time, just the funeral. Wow. And so it is, and I like I kind of told you my story, but yeah. the album is about me grieving during the, during the pandemic. Right. And it's it's a lot of mood swings. It's a lot of highs and a lot of lows. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a lot of it's 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 it just kind of tells my story because like, you know, people see and it's similar to what you said about like. People put you in a box, right? People see Marcel P. Black 
the rapper. But at the end of the day, I'm just another man. And I go through pain, struggle, struggle just like everybody else. And so, you know, on social media, somebody passed away. You get condolences about two, about two or three weeks. And then it's back to regular. And nobody will ever know the pain that I've been through besides my wife and my therapist over the last year and a half. So I wanted to make an album to let the world know what I went through. Because I know it's a lot of people going, there's a lot of people who lost loved ones due to COVID during the pandemic. There's a lot of people who, you know, it's, I'm not the only one going through what I went through. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, this album is, like I said, once again, like I told you earlier, is deeply, deeply, deeply influenced by North Carolina hip-hop, by Little Brother, by Fonte, by Justice League. Because, like, that's what I listen to the most. I listen to, at this point, like, Fonte got me through the pandemic, straight up. You know what I'm saying? Straight up. Like, I, I say it, like, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, um, the album is, the album is, 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 is different from anything I've ever done before, but I love it. I mean, it's not even about selling records for me at this point. Of course, I want to have great music that people enjoy, that they feel, that they can relate to. You know what I'm saying? But moreover, um, it truly is about me expressing myself at the most vulnerable, at the most honest. Like I'm, dig I'm, I'm tapping into like the deepest, darkest fears that I've talked about as a husband, as a father, as a son. You know, I, you know, I, I got some, some rapping raps up on there too. You know what I'm saying? But like, um, writing more, like, it, it, it's, it's dope, man. It's dope. I got two guest features. On the album, and when you know we'll we'll hear about that soon, soon come or whatever. But um, it's in post production, man, and uh, hopefully, you know, maybe early August we'll be able to get it. Or I, I'm kind of impatient, so when I get it back, I might just put it out and then just figure everything else out later or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, man, everything I love, bro. Um, but executive produced by Jay Philly. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Uh, you know we've done I don't know how many albums together. And EPs we've done together at this point, but he's like a a a, a, a in house producer or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, man, the, uh, the song "Switch Inspiration" was produced by Doja Burner. Big shout out to Doja Burner, whatever. But uh, everything I love, man, everything I love is is literally that's that's what it's about. It's about everything I love. And uh, and I feel like um, at the end of the day, the beauty of it is that you're finally at home, in the sense that you're in a good place right now. You're at peace with yourself. For the longest time, you kind of, I want to say running away, but you had like so much going on that you couldn't find balance. And now through everything that you've been through, especially the pandemic, is that now you're at a good place. And now that you're at a good place, now that vulnerability is coming out now. And that's the one thing I, I get when I listen to Sweetie's inspiration is that that vulnerability is coming out. It's like, as a black man, it's okay to be vulnerable because, you know, for the longest time, we're always told to just, just suck it up. Don't tell your story. Right. Therapy? What the fuck? Therapy? Who goes to therapy? That's for right. folks. Right. So right. for you to open up like that, man, is powerful, man. And I appreciate you, man. And, you know, anytime you send me music, you know I'm bumping it hard, man. I'm, I'm bumping right. it in the room. I'm bumping it everywhere. I'm telling people, yo, you need to check this brother, Marcy, uh, P blackout. This this brother is fire, man. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate it, man. Like over the years, man, I really, really appreciate your support, man. Like I told you, <laughs> you motivated me, man. I'm gonna lose weight. 
So I can fit this, so I can fit this shirt. I got about two X's. I need to go down. But now, nah, man, like, it, 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 I didn't know you were the father. So to me, like, man, like, for, I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. I grew up seeing, I grew up seeing black men raise their children. Right. Right. Um, so for me, that's my normal. Right. That's my normal, right? And so when I hear all the black men don't do this and the third, I definitely have relatives. Like my 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 my, my wife didn't grow up with her father. You know what right. I'm saying? So I, I definitely know that you know it doesn't I, I definitely know that um you know black fathers don't always get they just do, right? But for me, I don't even lean into that. Because I'm focused on what I got going on. And I and I've been a father figure to several young niggas out here. You know what I'm saying? Like several young brothers, several I say niggas, I mean street dudes, I mean gang members. I just I didn't sit on I, I didn't sit on stands, I didn't took the stand to keep my young boys from getting locked up, everything. You know what I'm saying? So I've been I always get um uh, happy father's day texts from you know what I'm saying, my old students and my old mentees and my old clients. So I, you know, and my, my dad was there for so many other people, right? But the fact that you said that, like, yo, I really believe in the power of black fatherhood to make this a real thing, and I open a platform for that, bro. That really, that that's really important. That's really special. So, my, you know, I ain't got no hat on, but <laughs> kudos to you, man. I tip my hat to you, man, because uh, it's hard out here on the brother. You know what I'm saying? And we need we need all the help we can get. So I really appreciate you doing that, man. Like, you know, we, you know, we 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 we, we got to take care of us. And I'm, I'm really, especially like. Um, since my my pops passed, I made a special point to really, really reach out to other brothers who who I got love for. Like, bro, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? We 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 not young, bro. We ain't gotta be. You know what I'm saying? Like, we getting older. Because one thing I learned with my pops passed, even though, even though I'm almost forty, I'm still somebody's child to the day that I die. Yeah. And 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 we we as men, we still need that love. Period. Okay. Yeah, period. Like like so, my brothers, I love you. I'm giving you that. You know what I'm saying? Hug, chest to chest hug. We we ain't worried about how that uh, what people might think because it's deeper than that. You know what I'm saying? Talking to people, you know, during the Zoom, like and phone calls is cool, texting is cool, but I like talking to people face to face. You know what I'm saying? So like so like just just. Brothers support another brother. That stuff is really, really important moving forward. And so, for you to come up with a platform like this, man, it's it's it's, it's definitely it's special and it's it's important. Man, I appreciate that. On that note, I'm not gonna say nothing after that. We out. Go support this brother, Marcy P. Black on IG. The links on the bottom. The links will be in the description. Check out the video, the the, the new video to show show this brother some love. And we have peace. So for you, yeah, yeah. 
there whenever it matters And even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you Here by that I'm behind you But always got you End of discussion Nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders For what you reach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world Until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever So don't ever you fret Know that you covered Not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you Fully loaded, prepare you For all of the above that I'm never letting get near you But still in all, give you every advantage I found Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown And since the baton was passed, hopping down Cause feeling's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all My message to any dad, man, first off, know that yeah, it, it is a hard job But it's the greatest job in the world I wouldn't trade it for anything I wouldn't change anything about it Everything you're doing from here on out, if it didn't have purpose before, now it has purpose. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. Just be a dad.